What would a Bluey-based cult be? Welcome to Australia. This is a children's cartoon. Maybe just like stop vomiting on them. Is there something going on between Chili and Lucky's dad? How very dare you? I love Americans. You want bad advice, man? I'll give it out glad. I got some good advice for you. No, you don't. What's up, everybody? This is Chesco, the speech professor, and this is Bad Advice Wednesdays, the show where myself and a friend try not to ruin your life with bad advice. But we we are warning you ahead of time. Remember, do not listen to us. This is this is meant to be bad, and if you take our advice, that's on you. Legally, that's on you. Uh, my guest today is one of my favorite people that I've had the opportunity to get to meet um, on the interwebs, and that is Melanie Zanetti. Uh, and many of you watching this will probably know her as the voice of Chili on your favorite TV show and mine. Even if you don't have kids, I made a viral video about how this this everybody should be watching this. Um, but I, I I've gotten to know Melanie pretty well over the past few months, but um, this is my first opportunity to talk to her face to face, as it were, even though we're literally across the world from each other. Um, but I, I wanted, just in case, you know, there, there's someone in my audience that is not a Bluey fan and uh, has not kept up your career. Um, I was like that. The first question would be like, what What would they, if they were to come to your Instagram, for instance, what would they see? Okay. Hey, everyone. Um, I'm a, an actor and a voiceover artist. I voice Chili in the cartoon Bluey, who's the mum. And I started up my career in theater. So I had years of theater, like uh, contemporary and a lot of Shakespeare's and Shaw's and things like that. And then moved into film and TV. So that's uh, that's kind of I know what you'd see. I am I am only on Instagram. Um, I know all the cool kids are on um, TikTok, but I am neither cool nor a kid. And um, <laughs> quite frankly, I am terrified of the algorithm. I just think it sounds so amazing. And I feel like I will be sucked into its vortex. So I have to be like, I'm like Galadriel. I have to reject the ring because I know oh, it's how. Instagram, and this is this is something that I, I learned uh, fairly early on, is like the safest place to be, <laughs> um, because you get the for whatever reason how their algorithm works, they actually show the stuff to people that like you. Uh, it doesn't feel like they're outrage farming as much. Um, and so, if you're only going to be on one place, I think Instagram is pro that like if I had to pick one platform to stay on, st I, I would stay there just because. Just, yeah, they, it is. It is usually my most wholesome comment section. So you made a good feel good vindicated for my choices. <laughs> um, but yeah, it it truly terrifies me, and I already spent way too much time on the internet, way more than I want to, because it's a drug, and I'm addicted, like everyone else. So uh, you mentioned uh, you you used to do theater. Like, so where were did you always know that acting was something you wanted to to get into? Like, when did you know that was a career that you wanted to to explore? Well, I always loved I think I loved stories and make-believe and all of that stuff I didn't originally think I was going to be an actor I was like that's just for really beautiful and really deluded people and I'm um, practical and smart so <laughs> I left school and started doing a like it was like a business journalism creative industries degree I hated it I was very good at it it graded on my soul and then it was my parents who sat me down and said you really loved acting you can do anything later um, which is not the usual story. No, Usually, that's like, that absolutely amazing. I'm very lucky. It's it's sort of the best gift I've ever been given. Um, so they said that and I cried and I was like, that's very impractical. And then it was like one course left open in Australia and I auditioned and um, rest is history. 
So, so were you into more like musical theater, like singing, dancing, or were you more into like traditional Shakespearean? Definitely more traditional. I would love like everyone can sing. I haven't been musically theater trained. Everyone can kind of dance. Uh, I haven't been musically theater trained, uh, but who knows? But yeah, it was much more, uh, yeah, um, much more traditional, less less singy dancey. Yeah, I because I, uh, my background's in theater as well. Um, but I went into oh, teaching lovely. because once again, the safer, I, I do like teaching. So I don't want to, it's not like I was really good at something I hated. I do like it, but I had another life to life. I probably would have explored um, that side more, but I've always been obsessed with musical theater. I love musical theater, but I'm, I'm definitely. Oh, I love it. A singer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've actually had a lead in a musical theater production and it was, it was, it's not good. I'm happy that there's not much of it. It's not available online anywhere. <laughs> Um, I, I am not what you would call a uh, a natural singer. <laughs> Do you think it's sort of magical that I, I think you know we're we're of a, a similar age and that we have this period where there are things that are not online? Um, you know, I was talking to a friend yesterday about you know the council culture and all of that kind of thing, and I'm just so glad when I was really in a time where like I was forming my ideas <laughs> and identity that that stuff is not. Like publicly available. I was in it was it 2006? I think was when um, YouTube came out, uh, and like one of my one of my first viral videos, I got 13 people fired from my our job. Um, so yeah, so it it was. I have a story. So it's an old old video. I can I can I'll send it to you. Um, it was it was it was it was a terrible job. Like none of us were happy. It was not like it was like it ended up being a positive thing. Like none of them were mad at me. But um, that was like, I was like, okay, I'm, well, I'm done with social media. I'll wow. never be doing any of this again. And, and I didn't. I stayed away from it until the pandemic. But, but you were an early adapter. I was. By the sounds. Like, I am, I am borderline Luddite. Look at these. I am, <laughs> I am not an early adapter. So I, but I'm really, I'm fascinated by people who mm-hmm. get in there and do all that you know, so much experimental stuff, like a lot of stuff that's happening on TikTok, which, you know, I'll see the couple of weeks later, like, right. and they're all people. Like real adults. And yeah. <laughs> like real adults. Right. But I'm, I'm so, I don't know. I think Gen Z is amazing. Mm-hmm. I'm obsessed well, I and it. a little bit scared of this. That's what the, the, there was like this made up, um, like rivalry between millennials and it Gen Z. made up. I think yeah, they're I, every, every popular. Every loves <laughs> Like in love. Like, yeah, they're amazing. think they're amazing. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm a hundred percent with you. So, so you, all right. So, so you were into traditional theater and how did, how did you make that kind of transition from that into the world of, of screen acting or voice acting? Just, it's all sort of honestly happened really organically. I, I left uni. I went, started doing a, a theater show the day I left. I'd already auditioned and got the role. And then I had to just start saying no to a bit because theater takes such big chunks of time. Um, doesn't pay as well as well, but I had to start um, just stepping back a bit from that. And But I think there was a, I landed a film straight after I'd finished this big show and it just sort of happened quite organically. And the bluey thing, you know, I was doing voiceovers and I, um, I was using someone's uh, studio and he said, look, my brother's making this cartoon. You've got a really great voice. Do you want to just chuck down some demos? It's already cast, but there may be some roles later. And then 
um, at the 11th hour, um, so obviously his brother was Joe Brum creating Bluey. Uh, they said, oh, we're looking to change up some of the voices. Do you mind if we just chuck your voice in for the premiere at the Asia Pacific Cartoon Convention? And I was like, yes, I'd seen <laughs> just the, the animatics. So like four frames a minute, really basic. And I'd fall in love. I was like, I want to be part of this. And, um, and then they did their due diligence and auditioned for like three months. And I was on my agents. I was like, I want this. They're like, you realize this is a kid's cartoon? You realize this? It's like, you don't get it. This is special. This is really special. So I knew. like, this. So you knew like, right away. Like, even from... Even right away. Not even supposed to be in there. You're like, this is going to be... Right away. Wow. I went home. I was like, my heart hurts. This is so beautiful. I've never seen anything like this. It wasn't even a proper episode. Um, oh, no. I knew. I knew. Wow. And actually, just before I um, I did Jimmy Fallon, I was like, to my agents, I was like... Right about that, they're like, you were right about it. <laughs> what are the odds? It was complete serendipity. Um, so they auditioned for three months and then came back and went, Um, you were it, you were right. And and a couple of years later, one of the producers said, Is we couldn't find the same warmth um in anyone else's voice. So that's that's why it's this guy. Voice acting is something I don't know. You know, I'm in Los Angeles, I'm surrounded by actors, I have students that are actors all the time. Um, but voice acting is kind of something that I never have quite um, gotten really any insight into. What, what was the audition process like for 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 that show? Oh, for me, it was chuck chuck my demo down when I was doing a a boring voiceover for some state council thing. It, that was it. It was just they got a few lines, just whacked them down. They used that. So it once again, it was one of these. Well, I. Yes, this is supposed to happen. With Bluey, they wanted it to be really grounded. And sometimes when you do, um, there's other cartoons which are much more heightened in style. Um, but this is very close. Like, my voice is a little more neutral than Chili's. I kind of lean a little into those vowels. Um, but Dave, who plays Bandit, that's his voice. That is 100% right. just his voice. <laughs> and the first time we talked on the phone, I was like, oh, this this is you. This is just you um and he's not an actor but he just has a wonderful voice he's a musician and a composer and that's sort of how they found him so because it's it's you know obviously a cartoon character do you still get recognized i know your voice is slightly different but i can still hear the warmness of chili yeah, you were just talking yeah. you're not do, do you get recognized or have you been recognized Never. solely from Never. your voice no no really and i love that i love the like secret anonymity or where you're when you pass um, a family and everyone's decked head to toe in bluey gear, and you're like, they have I no idea. Love it. <laughs> no idea. That's amazing. So, and then, so the show, what did you start recording pre pandemic or was it during the pandemic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we started because it was a good year and a half, I think, or year before America got anything. So it was, um, I think, maybe even end of. 2000 and so 2018 I think is when we started um so yeah definitely definitely pre-pandemic but I think it more of it dropped in the states during pandemic time um so I think that I have had uh a number of parents say to me uh you're the reason we survived this show is the reason we survived with our children and didn't want to like you know, bleed out my eyes, which is what happens when I watch other things with my kids a million times. So that's lovely. And just to be a part of a show that 
you know, feels like it's it's doing some good in the world. I've had, you know, I've had parents um, say to me, like I had one, a lot of dads go, this has taught me how to play with my kids and this has taught me, uh, you know, how to be a better parent. I've had teachers, more than one teacher say they have children in their class with autism or learning difficulties and this has taught them how to play with other kids and it's changed their life at school. Um, I've had a friend, there's an episode, actually, I can't tell you this yet because it hasn't dropped in the States, <laughs> but we'll have this conversation. Anyway, she felt very, very seen and she doesn't have kids um, by an episode. So uh, also just hearing um, all of these like teenagers who are having bluey parties who are like 14 to 17. Um, so clearly it's it's bringing joy even if you don't have little kids and I think that's really magical, just being a force for good in the world. Um, my daughter was born literally seven days um, after my school went into lockdown. So the, everything was shut down. We we brought the our, our, our daughter home. And normally, you know, you have your family, you have friends coming over, you have people bringing you meals, you at least have some sort of help. Um, but we had Bluey. <laughs> and, and it really was genuinely this this source of of just warmth and and just happiness during a really really hard time and and just 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 to wow. affirm what you were saying it really was just this something we put on just repeat I, I've seen every episode probably honestly probably close to fifty times um, because if not more than that just because it was just something that kept everyone smiling and, and kept everyone just focusing on. On, on some uh, a happier kind of moments in life. Oh, I um, love that. We're going through. That's amazing. Um, yeah, no, I've heard I've heard so many stories of people, and, and people who don't have kids. Like I have a friend who she's like, I'm 36, I'm single and childless, and when I feel sad or like you know hungover, or had friends say you know I've been going through a depressive moment. And Bluey's really helping. And uh, yeah, just love that. Love hearing all of that. You're a year into recording this this show um, that you know you can tell you can feel already in in your bones. This is going to be a, a big deal. And then uh, the the pandemic hits, right? And so what what happens with with the show? I'm just curious how how the the showrunners and you all kind of adapted. Well, here's the great thing about. Um, an animation is that like I never recorded with anyone else so um I hadn't met my dog husband um it, it was like four years in and we met at Madison Square Garden in New York oh <laughs> so uh because we're all solo we just had the directors zoom in uh you're in a separate room to the tech so it was actually one of a, a safer situation so we didn't actually shut down also Brisbane where I was I'd just come back from LA doing something. I came back for a press junket for Bluey and then that's when uh, everything shut down. It was like end of March. Um, and the state, uh, we all closed the borders for the different states in Australia. So we actually fared pretty well in Queensland where we make Bluey and where I am. So it wasn't, it was, it could actually just all keep going. The animators, I think, worked from home. Um, I think that was trickier on their end, all of that sort of juggling. Like there was a few people who come into the office at a time, but we didn't 
has for quite a while a lot of COVID. It was not what you guys were dealing with. I, you know, because I live half the time in, in the US and my friends there were just, it was really tricky, really just wild. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> not to get too far into that, but yeah. So, so you're, you're recording, Louis, pandemic happens, you're recording it. Um, are you, because of how everything, because I, I feel like it exploded when everything was shut down, were you even like fully aware kind of of how big it was getting because of everything else going on? It had, it had exploded like so quickly in Australia. I think the interesting thing for us was that it transcended cultures um, because it's such a quintessential Australian, um, like the the way they speak and the backdrops you're seeing. It's, it's, everything is so Australian. I think it was amazing to see how well it transferred to Americans and Brits and really everywhere else in the world, which means, you know, there's a real universality to the way that um, the stories are written. And that's really Joe, the creator. Like he writes everything, pretty much every episode. He directs us, he directs the animation, like it's really his brainchild. And I think he has this incredible ability of just think the layers with it. Like it's seven minutes each episode and the the depth that he gets within these, like the, I don't know how to just say it. It's like he's able to distill concepts to it's like, I don't know, like it's purest full and there's the layers that the kids get and then there's, layers that adults get but then I feel like there's always this like something quite deep and profound and I think that's what you know touches people and you know makes people cry and I think there's a real skill to be able to um distill something to its most essential without um I don't know getting too heady or didactic about it the ability to kind of just find those moments that we can all see and or that we can we can feel that you know and, and even though it's not our experience it is our experience right and 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 making it finding the universality it's an Absolutely. art that not everybody can do and i think you're right i think the if that if that is him figuring that out man his his mind uh kudos to him for for being able to do that because not, not a lot of people have that ability yeah. where there were certain episodes i'd just be sitting there you know and you're tearing up <laughs> and i'm like what is happening even i didn't i'm like this is a children's cartoon and in my mind, I think the first like year of watching it, I was like, oh, I just must be really stressed out from COVID. <laughs> that must be, it must just be, I'm on, I'm on a razor's edge and something happening. But then, then afterwards I'm watching it. I'm like, no, this is just, this is beautiful. It's the, he found these beautiful moments that literally even childless people with, with that have not gone through these, these parenting things can still see and, and experience to connect to on on a really visceral level mm, i agree and look even myself who's recorded and read them and i know what's happening the first time i saw sleepy time i was a mess it was an absolute sobbing <laughs> snotty mess i think when my first the first time i really brought me down to tears and and there's ones i saw that it was like the second or third time bringing me to tears the first time just first one through was baby race uh, and, and it wasn't until the very end when she said, you're doing great. And I'm just sitting there like, you're doing great. We're doing great. It's great. But it's like, 
it's like what everyone needs to hear. And I, I think the episodes for parrots particularly is you just feel so seen. And the more specific we get with something, you know, the paradox is the more universal it becomes. And I think because there's so much attention paid to the the reality of those experiences and, you know, it was something like sleepy time, the, you know, how much unseen labor happens with parents with the, through the night and the learning to sleep in your own bed and then, and the not quite getting there and just <laughs> how tricky the, these times can be. And, um, and just having that reflected back in a beautiful, hilarious, um, you know, short little, bite-sized pieces i think is a winning formula it's a story but it's also the 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 humanity i think all of you bring to these characters through the way you do it because there's there's a lot of well-written scripts out there right but it it, but if it doesn't come together and it it feels like it's this your your show just came together in this beautiful symphony of of emotion and warmth and at the right time when the world really needed this warmth to be there uh and it just uh it, it yeah, I, I cannot say how much I know myself and other parents have just appreciated um, what what you did when you did without knowing that it was going to be as needed as it was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. None of this was planned. Um, I, I think um, one thing I really love about the show is that the parents are fallible. Um, they make mistakes and they apologize for it. And they owe what I'm, an episode I really love is um, The Dump where the dad's driving them and and then there's the the pictures. He's <laughs> like, kid, you, you do paint a lot of pictures and, and having to own that he's not actually perfect, but, you know, we're all we're all just trying our best and modeling that, I think, for parents to show you, you can, as the parent, apologize and own your stuff. Like that's actually the teaching we're doing for our children, which I just I feel like I haven't seen in a cartoon before. Or any kids' media, really. So I guess speaking of fallibility, and on a much lighter note, uh, one of the questions that I, I would be remiss to my audience if I did not ask you. And I have a strong opinion on this question already, but I, I would like to know from Chili's voice: is is there something going on between Chili and Lucky's dad? <laughs> okay, this has been bandied about on the interwebs. And I'm just here to make an official statement that that is slanderous and that, look, Lucky's dad is awesome. He's a great neighbor. But that's where it stops. I'm just, I'm putting it out there. I'm, um, look, I don't, I don't know if I totally get the official say, uh, but uh, look, he's a great dude. That's what I'm saying. And I, I, I was ranking my favorite, like, tv parents of all time and you you both like chili and bandit were my number one couple when they started going around i was like how dare you how very dare you so i'm happy i'm happy to hear from chili's mouth the definitive uh answer to that question there is absolutely nothing going on it is just a friendship you know what? Write your fan fictions, guys. But this is the official life. Your last, last Bluey question. I'm sure that I could, I could honestly talk Bluey all day. But I, the, my last one: Who is your favorite non-main character in the show, and why is it Muffin? <laughs> <laughs> and why is it, look? Muffin is amazing. Um, Muffin is 
are wild and free and treacherous. And she's so <laughs> amazing. Um, look, uh, obviously my favorite characters are my children, uh, Blue and Bingo, joint favorite. Of course. Um, but also, like, definitely, they are amazing. Um, what other characters do I really... I really... I have a soft spot for Rusty. Um, my little sister, big so She's like, I would die for that dog. And, uh, yeah, Muffin's great. Look, you can't go... Past, like, so much so much energy, so many great lines. Uh, I, I feel like there's parents who are like, I want to say my kids are bluey and bingo, but I feel the truth. My, my youngest is, is, is Muffin. She is. Uh, she is. That is... If she were a little dog on Bluey, it would be Muppet. And someone said the other day on one of my videos uh, where I was talking about Bluey, they're like, yeah, but can they get rid of Muffin? I was like, how, what's it, how very dare you? <laughs> that is my daughter you're talking about. <laughs> but we got to keep it real, guys. This energy for that age is is a thing, is a thing. I have two little nieces and it is one one's two and four, which is sort of like chef's kiss age for this show. And... Just the difference from tiny babies in person that like they're different people. They're coming out of the womb, different people, uh, which just you know is amazing. Humans are amazing. Well, can I ask you? Or I, I know I have to. We have to get to bad advice. But how do they do? They, do they have they realized that their auntie is is the most famous dog in the world? So the younger one, no, Sammy. She kind of she's like yeah, cool. Um, the older one, my brother was like a good year trying to go, Auntie Mel, that's chilly. There's a, obviously real cognitive dissonance going, no, that's, that's this guy. Who cares? But then there was a moment where he told her again and she just went quiet for about 30 seconds and it was clicking and it happened. And then she just started screaming apparently. And then the next time I saw her, she was <laughs> real weird with me. She was really like starstruck, and now it's her like um, now it's how she's kind of like baller at kindy. And I and I think when she first said it, um, I don't think they believed her. And my brother, like, oh, I'm sure you're on. I'm, I'm sure she is. He's chilly, and they're like, all right. Well, I think uh, I think our audience has uh, has has gotten a pretty good idea of who you are. Uh, and I think it's it's about time we um, we ruin some lives. Uh, I just want to preface this whole section saying I am someone who like is often paralyzed with indecision of, about making the right choice. Like there's some like universally ordained right choice. So the thought of giving bad advice is both terrifying, but maybe it's kind of freeing, right? Quite liberating. <laughs> and then I was thinking that's kind of the intersection that we're looking for. What is like so scary, but might be really freeing. I'm like, that's the axis that we want to be playing on anyway. Well, I'm excited. So I'm very excited. I'm excited to hear what you say. And there's, there's no wrong answers here. Um, this one was one of my favorite ones I got. Um, she said, some people think my country is imaginary. How do I convince people that Australia is real and that I'm not an actor pretending to be Australian? Well, I think, I think you don't. I think that's sort of magical that people think you come from an imaginary place. I think you should just keep telling them things about Australia which are true but are just wild. Do you know what a cassowary is? So it's it's this bird. It's amazing. Think like ostrich but just slightly more squat and thick like a thick ostrich 
It's got this big bone on its head, like a dinosaur. It's one of the closest things to a dinosaur. It's all um, blue, bright blue down here, and then has some red. And its its feet are like claws, like raptor claws. And it can jump and like, like split you apart. And it's found in like the rainforests. After you could be making this up to me right now, and I would have literally no way to check. Like it's made up. <laughs> Everyone, look up cassowary if you haven't seen them. They're real and they're re really important for these thick rainforests because they can eat fruit that's toxic and then it passes through them and it germinates everything. Does like that might not be real, but it's real. So just keep telling them facts that sound wild about Australia and I think just perpetuate the myth. You hear all these stories about Australia with like the giant spiders and and all these other things where every animal is basically like a, a couple thousand years pre-evolution, uh, right? Like where, where you just hear all these stories about Australia. How, how real are all the, the rumors about or the, the, the things you see online? It's real. It's real, but you just like, it's part of, you know, your everyday life. And it's not like that close. Although I have had a huntsman run across my face at night. So they're not dangerous. No. Big as my hand. I was 12 and I had one run across my face. Like this big. I'm not, I'm not joking. Um, also... There's like, where I live in Australia, there's sort of a rainforesty um, bushwalk. And I was going for a run through it and I went slightly off the path. And there was what I thought was like an old bicycle tire that I was about to like parkour off. And just as I was getting close, it raised its head and it was a red-bellied black snake and they are dangerous. Um, so that's just like down the road. There's, there's these other things for this fake um, place. They're called Irigangi and they're so small, they're in the water. Um, up north in the sea and you can't really see them but if they sting you you will die within an hour if you don't get help um so you have to wear wetsuits and everything uh but but i guess I is it is it more is it more like if you're if you grew up with it it feels scary to everyone because I, I grew I, I live in california yeah. right everyone the way everyone talks about earthquakes is like they're terrified like they're the worst thing in the world whereas we grew up here and it's like we it's not a big deal. Like it, we don't even realize when an earthquake happens. happens. I think it's, it's just like that. Okay. My first yeah, earthquake right. in in um in California, I woke up. It wasn't a big one. It was just some things fell off. The I woke up. Some books fell off the bookshelf, and I sat up and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> it just happened. A thing I haven't experienced." I was like, "I don't know if this is like clapping. Maybe not clap. Maybe not clap. Maybe a go back to sleep moment." Um, yeah, but it's wild. Just things you're not used to. Um, yeah. So that's my advice. Just perpetuate the myth that Australia isn't really real. I like it. And then eventually when they figure it out, they're just going to be then. And I, you know what I think she should do it. I think she should actually throw in some things that are completely made up uh, so that when they figure out that Australia is real, then they'll have no idea what, you know, what exactly was made up and not. And she has that in her back. And they'll be like the blue bugs. You know, those massive blue bugs they have there that everyone eats. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. What, what would you buy at a grocery store that would cause the cashier to give you a weird look? Now, I don't, I, my, I, they don't give me any context here. So I'm not sure okay. if this is like intentionally they want to give the, the okay. cashier to, to look at them odd. Okay, if you're looking for a look, I think you've got to go with like rope, duct tape, hardcore cleaning um, bleach, a shovel, um, 
lots of rags, uh, just like really like you're about to kidnap, murder, and bury someone. I reckon that's going to get the work. Yeah. And I think maybe if you go in with like really kind of bloodstained clothing yeah, uh, while you're doing it, like really get to play it up. Yeah. Really distressed. Move very fast. Keep looking over your shoulder, I think mm -hmm. is also good. And then be also be if it, it depends how how important is this to you to get this this reaction because you may also have to deal with police uh, afterwards which which may or may not be the the best situation beat you make sure it's beat Amazing. you being used yes you're like look I've been juicing I've been cleaning I've been gardening uh, this is this is all paraphernalia for these things yeah that I think that's great advice. I think it's great. And there, now my audience cannot claim we have we don't give good advice on this channel, right? Exactly. How do I get my friends to stop having kids? Don't show them, Bluey. Right. Uh, <laughs> doing all the hardest things about having kids to them. Maybe just like start vomiting on them. Um, I don't know. Like turn up at their house, break in in the middle of the night, like wake them up, ask for a drink of water, steal all their money. Um... What else? Just like cry, throw like throw yourself on the floor when you're out with them in public, and just just scream at them. I feel um, like if they if it depends how bad they want to commit to this as well. I feel like they may to may need to have a kid of their own to to oh, get their kids yeah. to stop, and then really kind of make sure that your kid is the worst, right? The and worst, the like absolute, an absolute terror. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that might be the way. Idea. Get that kid to ruin their house. Get them to draw on the walls. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's encouraged. You got to encourage it at home, and you're going to have to deal with having to raise a child. But at the end of the day, you're going to accomplish. Like, are you going to commit or are you going to commit, right? I, th I think the have the child is the, is the best bet. <laughs> I, I think we solved it. I think it's great. Yeah, I think that's, that's going to be. You're welcome. Start a cult. Nice short question. Uh, hard yes. Yeah. Always. Mm -hmm. Always start a cult. Um, like I think cults can sort of fall if you do it right into that tax exempt religious bracket. So I don't know. Like I just make everything go through the cult. And um yeah. Keep that tax. That that's what we're here for. Um, really, you know, let's not put it back into society. Let's not, you know, look after people. Let's start a cult. I think, I think one. I think that's what we are we. Are we doing this? Are we starting a cult? No, right is now. Is this happening right now? Is this? Oh my god! Life. Do I need to cut this out? Like, is this <laughs> right? The cult. The cult of Bluey. Um, I mean, there's. You already have this fan base there. That, I don't know what you work what, with what would, you got. What would a Bluey based cult be? Oh gosh, what would it be? I feel like because I feel like I think I, that I, would be a terrible play. I don't. I'm saying I, I think this might be like it would just be centered around creative play, right? And uh, and some good snacks, yeah. and uh, and you know, I don't know. Generally, not being awful to each other, and maybe lots of dogs. Yeah, sound terrible. That doesn't sound bad at all. Lots, lots so many dogs. dogs. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm deleting this. This is. Uh, we're gonna cut this because uh, yeah, this, this is dangerous ground. This is important, and this is gonna happen. Because when it happens, I need to make sure that nobody steals this idea before we. Uh, Definitely, how is this bad advice? All right. Well, Melanie, this has been fantastic. Um, I am so happy that I actually got a chance to talk to you socially 
uh, kind of one-on-one um, and, and I'm starting something new, um, but I want to end each show now um, giving our guests an opportunity uh, to um, to share some actual good advice, right? Something that you've received in your life that either you kind of carry with you and it could be about, you know, it could be about your career, it could be about life, it could be about happiness, whatever you want. Um, but to end the show on a really kind of more positive uh, note, uh, what, other than starting a cult, um, what what is something that either has been shared with you that you've learned that you would like to share with uh, with people listening? Oh, okay, a couple of things. First one, short. Um, I think we should all be aiming to delight our five and eighty five year old. I think what what would make that part those parts of us um, delighted, and you know, I say that more than happy. Because happiness feels sort of, I don't know, a little thin and intangible, but delight feels like the thing that lights us up inside. Um, so that's what I'm, I'm constant. Whenever there's big decisions to make, I'm like, how will I feel when I'm 85? And how does five-year-old me feel about this? And that's that can be some good indicators. Um, the other one was I saw on a, it was a, a talk that Dr. Brene Brown gave, and it was about... Um, it's called the sweaty creative and it's about critics and being in the arena so she says that there is only one guarantee if you are putting work out into the world if you're creating something is that you'll get your ass kicked and then you have to decide if you know creativity and courage are things you value then you'll do it anyway and everyone is allowed their own opinion totally but if the person giving that opinion is not also in the arena getting their ass kicked if they're not also you know, covered with sweat and blood and daring greatly, maybe, maybe that opinion doesn't matter that much. Uh, and that I found really useful because, you know, anyone who's in a public space, which is most of us these days, you know. It's true. It's almost impossible. It's hard not to be in one. Exactly. And create something and, you know, put things that are, you know, usually imperfect out into the world. Um, just having... People who also understand what's that like and taking constructive criticism from them and maybe not the people in the cheat seats who are just going, this is how the dude in there could have done it better. Um, and uh, yeah, I think the other main thing is is just be kind. You know, when I was younger, I think I, I was so much more enthralled with people who were sharp and witty and, of course, talent's very attractive. But the older I get, the more and more I just go being kind. And I don't mean nice. I think many people have made this distinction. Nice feels superficial and the thing that you do to toe the line to be accepted and liked um, by society, whereas kind feels much more full-bodied and connected to, to truth and good boundaries and all of that kind of thing. And I, I have to say... Um, I came across your work because it came up in my explore and then I started um, investigating and looking at your stories and it was obviously you were you were funny and smart and deconstructing things in a really great way but it was really how kind you were in the way you were doing it and how how thoughtful towards people who are marginalized in society and um, that's why I'm so glad we became friends. Go on. <laughs> I, I honestly cannot imagine ending the show on a more positive note than that. 
Um, to everyone listening, go follow Melanie Zanetti on Instagram, and uh, and hopefully you'll get a glimpse of the wonderful person that I'm very happy to now consider a friend of mine. As well. uh, thank you all for listening, and remember, don't listen to us. Don't do the bad. Don't do, listen to the good stuff at the end. Don't do the bad stuff. <laughs> <laughs> this has been a delight. Thank you. And that was Bad Advice on a Wednesday. If you enjoyed today's show, please like, please subscribe, share it with your friends, drop a five-star review. You can always support us financially at patreon.com slash thespeechprof. All links of everything we talked about will be available in the show notes. And most importantly, remember this is intended to be bad advice. Please do not listen to anything we said. I'm sorry. Okay, dope rhyme slinger, good advice giver. Listen for a second, let me try and paint a picture. Raises coming up and you want your check bigger. Moving quiet just won't get you seen. Your boss a clicker, uh.